Hello, everyone out there in the 6570 family project world. You guys, I have a question for you. When a storm comes through a forest, does it make a beautiful log cabin when it's done? No, of course it doesn't. In order for something to be built, it takes planning and designing. And that is exactly what we do here in the 6570 family project. Listen, we have a whole new year coming up soon. And that year is going to come and go no matter what. But you have an opportunity to build something great, build something amazing in its place. And that takes, you guessed it, designing and planning. And you guys, I created a perfect New Year family check-in for you so you can do just that. It's a quick 15-minute guide that everyone can have. You want to print out one for everyone, and it will help you reflect back and build forward in this incredible new year. Go pick it up right now. It is over at NellieHarden.com slash Happy New Year. That is N-E-L-L-I-E-H-A-R-D-E-N.com slash Happy New Year. Right there, no, no spaces in there with Happy New Year. So go grab that and get building forward in this incredible new year, new opportunity we have coming at us. All right, everyone, happy building. Hello, and welcome to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. If you are a parent of a tween, teen, or somewhere on the way, this is exactly the place for you. This is the playground for parents who want to raise their kids with intention, strength, and joy. Come and hear all the discussions, get all the tactics, and have lots of laughs along the way. We will dive into the real challenges in raising kids today, how to show up as parents, and teach your kids how to show up as members of the family and individuals of the world. My name is Nellie Harden, big city girl turned small town, sip an iced tea on the front porch mama, who loves igniting transformation in the hearts and minds of families by helping them build self-led discipline and leadership that elevates the family experience and sets the kids up with a rock solid foundation they can launch their life on all before they ever leave home. This is the 6570 Family Project, let's go. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the 6570 Family Project. I'm so excited to have you here. And you guys, I have such a great guest on here for you today. Amber Trueblood is a licensed therapist, an author, a podcaster, a mother of four boys, you guys, four boys. Uh, I have the four girls. She has the four boys. I love it. We have such a great uh, conversation together coming up for you. She is an avid reader, an avid learner. She curates courses. She has some workshops and self-care tools for women. And since 2019, she and her launch of her great book, Stretch Marks, she has written and contributed to articles in O Magazine, Bustle, People, Fatherly, Wedding Wire, Mind Body Green, Good Housekeeping, and Parade. She's been featured in LA Parent and Times of San Diego and provides regular content for both Motherhood Maternity and Mama's Uncut. She has appeared in featured expert on uh, been a featured expert on television stations such as E, The Daily Pop, KTLA, and Good Day LA. You guys, we are going to have such a great conversation today. So 
hunker in and stay tuned. We're talking about alignment. We're talking about coping techniques. We're talking about excavating and uncovering those leadership skills within your kids, even if they are surprising to you. They aren't the the uh, ones you would typically see. And we're going to be talking about that self-care for moms, real self-care versus pseudo self-care and the shoulds and all the stuff. So stay tuned. We're going to get started. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Amber. I am so excited for having you here and just getting to share you with this incredible audience of parents and families and all the things that you do and how you help the world. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Nellie. I'm I'm really stoked to talk to you and your audience. I feel like we could just we already bantered for 15 minutes that y'all didn't even hear. So just wait, you know, we could probably talk for four hours, but we, we won't keep you that long. No, no, it's so true. We both, uh, yeah, we just have a heart for helping moms, helping families and just be the best that we can. And I met Amber a while ago working on as like, uh, uh, we were partnered with a bunch of other people on another project and again, having to do with family. So I'm just so excited. I've been able to be on your podcast and now you get to be on mine and okay. So I want to know Amber, because you kind of fascinate me and all the things that you do um, and your beautiful, wonderful family. So tell us a little bit about your family, uh, kind of where you guys are, what life looks like for you. So just give us some details about you. Okay. Well, let's see. I am a mom of four boys, all boys. Uh, Currently they are nine, 11, uh, 12 and 14. I always have to pause because their ages keep changing and it's really quite annoying and I can't keep it straight always. Um, and we live in Southern California, just outside of San Diego. And we've lived here for a couple of years. We moved in, uh, about, about nine months before COVID and lockdown and all that stuff. So, uh, prior to that, we were traveling a lot. Um, so we had had some experience homeschooling. Um, so we started homeschooling, uh, I don't know, maybe four years ago now, um, and traveled a lot and then kept going after that. Cause it was working quite well for my kids and our family. And I'm married. I've been with my husband now for, tw- I guess we met 20 years ago. So, uh, and, um, and yeah, and I really was primarily stay at home mom managing and coordinating, um, you know, homeschool and life and all the activities and all the things for a long time until a couple years ago. And then I, I got to kind of start my own business. My husband pulled back on his work and allowed me to kind of, I felt like, I don't know, I I'm guessing you can relate. I felt like I was like, ready to run like on a treadmill and finally like my feet got to hit the ground and I was like yeah let's do it so like a lot of people now are like for instance I wrote my first book when we were traveling and people were like how I don't understand how you're doing that was it hard to get writer's block and you know because you're going through that process right now again with writing and and I'm like oh my gosh no let me add it like I've been dying to do these things they've been whirling in my head for a decade now and now I finally get the opportunity to do it, but it's because it's aligned with something that's important to me, right? Like you can give me a whole list of to-dos that I would happily bitch and whine about, excuse me. Um, (laughs) But if it's something that's really important to me and something that's helping other families and helping moms, then I am raring to go. I'm so excited. 
Yes. I love that. Our stories are so similar. Married for a couple decades, uh, four boys for you, four girls for me, um, and the traveling, the homeschooling, the whole shebang. And yeah, this is year seven of homeschooling for us. And it's actually our last year. So I'm having, this is my, I'm going into my last semester. I'm having some, some, uh, hyperventilating times and some really excited times. It's very confusing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been applying for schools for next okay. year too. So right. same thing. It's very like, I'm half super excited and half very cautiously, cautiously optimistic. I mean, yes. Yes. See. We're there too. We're there too. And it's funny you brought up a line. So I, I do like the word, right? Um, my word every year. And I actually have them um, printed on a rock because Aww. I like the whole like, I'm going to write it in stone type thing, you know, and then I have a rock garden um, down in my living room and I pick a word for myself and we also pick a word for the family and we really follow through with those um, each year, sometimes like holding the family rock, especially like three inches from my daughter's face and being like, no, remember, remember, this is what we're focusing on. Uh, our, our family, <laughs> word, our family word for 2020, uh, one, whatever year we're in, uh, was honesty. So there was some times I was like, um, right here guys, right here. Uh, but anyway, my word for 2021 personally was a line and it's so true because once I started aligning my passions with my work and it really was like, oh, I got footing and I was ready to run. And I, you know, I've been writing, uh, for a long time. And so I, I love your story and yeah, we're just destined to uh, be friends, work together, all the things. Can I say something about the word <laughs> yes, align? Please. Because one of the things I get a lot, especially because, so my first book stretch marks is about like overwhelmed moms and practical strategies and how do you reduce stress? And one of the like myths I always like to smash about being overwhelmed or busy is that because I love being busy and I have a feeling you're the same way. Yes. <laughs> I love it. But when busy equals overwhelm and stress, it's because what you're busy doing and what you're mm. busy thinking about and what you're busy spending money on and your time on is not aligned with what's important to you. Yes. So that's when busy equals overwhelm, stress, anxiety, stomach pains, bad, you know, not sleeping, all that stuff. But when, when your time and your energy and your resources and your attention are focused, are aligned with what's really important to you, then man, there's, there's no busy. There's like not enough hours in the day to do all the stuff that you want to do because it's refueling you. It's not exhausting you. It's yeah. like, it's like what they say about like couples where, you know, one person is the extrovert and one person is the introvert. And so going to a party really, you know, refuels and energizes one member of the relationship. And the other one is like, oh my God, I need a nap. I need quiet. I need everybody to leave me alone. I need to refuel after, you know, because that took a lot out of me. And I feel like being yes, over You just described my husband and I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many couples. It's so common. <laughs> It's so common, right? Um, because we attract, I mean, that's a whole nother like episode, <laughs> right? But but I think that, you know, when when you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed, instead of finding ways to take stuff off your list, one kind of backward, I like, you know, kind of a hacky way to look at it is what can you add to your list that's totally aligned with what's important to you? Because sometimes you can't take stuff off your list. Sometimes 98% of the stuff on your list falls to you. Nobody else is going to pick it up. And so you either have to let it go and then 
you know, deal with that frustration and angst and anxiety. And sometimes that is the right thing to do. And you'll say, eh, that's not going to get done today. That's not going to get done this month. But other times it's, you, you feel like you can't let go of anything. And in that case, I highly encourage people to try adding something to your list, even though it seems completely counterintuitive and see if that doesn't energize you. And then somehow make all of those kind of tedious, annoying tasks seem far less draining because you just refueled yourself by adding something to that crazy busy schedule instead of deleting it. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh. Yes. So much. I mean, I look at my schedule, people hear like all the things that we do, family business, personal business, homeschooling, like all the things. And they're like, I literally do not understand how you have hours in the day. I'm like, actually, if you look at my schedule, it's just, it's just partitioned out. It looks pretty plain Jane, you know? And, and they're like, uh, no. And so, um, but to your point, there's some times and, you know, I just came back from, uh, this trip and it's, uh, we're recording this around the holidays. And so there was times that I would be sitting on a couch, right. Looking not busy, right. In my mind and in my heart, I'm like, I'm running a marathon because I'm so overwhelmed right now. And no, I'm not doing anything per se, but I am so busy because I wasn't aligned, right? I wasn't aligned with, to your point, exactly that. And, and I, Mel, Mel Robbins, I follow her all the time. Love Mel Robbins. And, uh, she was just put out a, she's had several of these videos, but it was, you know, this woman out there and she was like, no one is coming. Like no one is coming to do the things. (laughs) You need to do the things if you want to do the things. And you know what? You don't need to do the things if you don't need to do the things, you know? And so I I love Mel Robbins and she's so like to the point and ever like when I need like a, you know, pragmatic, like slap in the face, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go listen to some Mel. (laughs) No one is coming. That's hilarious. It's super scary when you first hear that sentence and then it's like empowering, like, okay, so what am I going to do about it? What am I going to do now then if nobody's coming? I love and it. don't do the things that you don't need to do. Right. We, in our heads, we, there's so many things that like the shoulds, right. I talk about this a lot, all the shoulds you're like, well, actually, should I like, do I need to do that? Um, and when you start having that or that reverse loop that can go, you know, circle back and hit them all in the, in, uh, out of the way, you're like, oh, well, maybe I actually don't need to do that. And I can work on this instead. So yes, align. It was a huge word and I definitely did that in 2021. Okay. So you guys, you amazing listeners out there have gotten a small taste of the awesomeness of Amber. And I want to know, uh, so you're obviously a leader. You're a leader in your home. You're a leader of yourself. You're a leader of women and moms. Where did this leadership come from? Did, is this, is this something that started being instilled in you when you were little? Did you have people that you looked up to that were helping others? Where did this all come from for you? (laughs) I love love this question. Little chuckle. (laughs) Well, the first thing that comes into mind is, um, that I was very bossy as a kindergartner, like (laughs) And so, you know, what, what some people might interpret as leadership, others people might interpret as bossy and controlling. So it's like the flip side, right? Of every, Mm -hmm. every characteristic has a flip side when one side that's going to serve you in life and one side where it might hurt you. Um, Swings a little too far. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or you just have to mold it in a certain direction. So, you know, my best answer would be that I think I've 
kind of always had these qualities. It showed up in different ways, like, you know, having to separate me from my friend George in kindergarten because I just was apparently would just boss him around all the time. And so they had to put us in separate classes. <laughs> so um, <Poor> George. <laughs> yeah. And I grew up with a I grew up an only child of a single mom. Okay. So I think that because of that and the modeling that that showed me, um, was different than a lot of leaders you might talk to. Um, so it wasn't like I was, you know, had role models as a child of people who were, you know, leading companies or leading their families in big ways or taking risks in unique ways. Um, instead, I saw a mom who, you know, I think she would report feeling totally like insecure and unsure and nervous and second guessing herself. But all I saw was somebody who, if there was a sprinkler broken, figured out how to fix the sprinkler. Somebody who like worked all day and then came home at night and helped me with my homework. And somebody who did all did all the things that needed to be done and was you know very pragmatic and responsible and logical. And so I think from an early age, I just saw that you know, you put the hard work in, you take, you know, you have patience and you're consistent. Um, and, uh, but I kind of was naturally a, a goal setter. Like I, I call it an achievement junkie, which is, <laughs> you know, kind of mean, but trying to just be funny with myself about it because I do get a high off of, you know, solving a problem, you know, achieving the next thing, checking off the the stuff on the to-do list, even if you've done it already, writing it down, making the box so I can check it off. You know, I love that stuff. And the biggest learning for me has been um, to take that and not, not sabotage myself so that I have problems to solve, not draw people into my life that are full of problems so that I can help them. Right. So I think a lot of us do that unintentionally. So instead I've said, okay, I want to solve problems. I don't want to draw problems to my life to solve. I, I'll, I'll, I'd like to have it on my own terms. I'd like to seek <laughs> the problems that I want to solve. I want, of course, I want to have friendships where I'm helpful, but I don't want that to be the primary foundational dynamic in our relationship where I'm the helper yeah. and I attract people who are, are really, really broken or something like that, which I think a lot of people in the health and wellness field do that in their personal life. And, and then you end up kind of with lopsided friendships. So um, that's something that I'm always very cautious of because I've learned from past mistakes. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think, so I, I too was raised by a single mom and uh, it was just me for the first eight years. My dad uh, passed away when I was super young. I was only one when he passed away. And, um, then it was just my mom and I, and yes, it was, and she, um, was remarried, uh, to, uh, Steve, who I also called dad because they started dating when I was, you know, four or five years old. Um, but anyway, so she remarried when I was eight and, but I still remember like, he would be like the, the toilets clogged, got to call someone. And my mom's like, why? Like, let's go fix the toilet, you know? And it was just, my mom was always that one that yeah. was like, let's go fix it. There's a problem. We're going to fix it. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it being, uh, having that be your world, especially during those young developmental, uh, years is, yeah. 
it, it changes, it changes the trajectory of everything going forward for sure. Um, but yeah, strong women, strong women for sure. And Nellie, so, and my husband also was single child raised by a single mom. Really? Yeah. So he, so, so he had a very similar, you know, dynamic growing up. And what's interesting is that I've seen how that has informed the rules we've taken on mm-hmm. as a married couple, because we just go to, cause we're very different. And so we just go to who can do this best mm. period. And that's what, there's no, like, there's no, it's not like we had decades of like having to rethink, Oh wait, this is the dad's job, but mom mm. is better at it. How do we do that? Or vice versa. Like we didn't have to undo right. that thought process. And, um, and so it's been really nice because you know, if there's something to, you know, that needs to be put together here with like, ter- like I just put together a pool table for, for the holidays for a Christmas gift. And the directions were like one picture with a bunch of arrows and that's it. <laughs> and not only that, but one of the legs, the, the pre-drilled holes were drilled incorrectly. So they give me like two left legs. They give me like three left legs and one right leg. Um, but man, you know, Jamie went across the street, he borrowed a power drill from our neighbor, brought it back and I drilled and I drilled the holes and I put it all together while he took care of like keeping the boys over on the other side of the house so that they couldn't <laughs> see what I was doing. And like, that was, per- he would have wanted to throw the thing in the garbage because it wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like he yeah. just been so frustrated. Whereas I was like, this is so fun. I get to put this together and he's this power drill. And I was like, <laughs> so excited about it you know and he's like oh my gosh thank god she's doing that and i'd be happy to like clean the kitchen and get these boys to the skate park and do those things so um so that's been a really nice bonus of being able to be in a relationship where you can both accept and acknowledge your own strengths you know and and where it's not kind of clouded by, well, this is how it's supposed to be or should, right? Right, right. (laughs) I should be able to do this. Oh, I should be the one, you know, taking care of the kids right now. And he should be putting together this table. Why? Like that's not going to benefit anybody in our house at all. That's (laughs) so true. The table might end up like That's so true. And I never really thought about that before, but yeah, um, totally different circumstances, but yeah, my husband too. And so, uh, and we've been together since we were 18. And so we have, I mean, we've literally grown up together and it's just really interesting. And I think that I, there's so many different ways to have families and relationships and everything. And there's, you know, six and one half dozen of the other. I think that's how that weird saying goes. And, um, that's good. (laughs) But when in our situation, having been together since we were kids, you know, essentially then, uh, we've been able to grow up together and find those, uh, strengths and weaknesses together. And, um, which is, which was a super challenge. You know, there's some people that don't get together until they're in their thirties, forties, seventies, whatever. And they already have those established, right? Like I am this, right. I had no, I am statements when I met my husband, right. I'm like, I am Nelly. That's it. (laughs) I am a student. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) And so all of those we developed together, which was, which was really fun and interesting. And a lot of times a trial and a lot of times a success. So 
Anyway, so I was going to ask you how that really uh, folded into your marriage and you already answered that. So thank you so much. But, and in doing that uh, and the conversations that you guys have with one another and how you come together and then parent your kids, how has all of that kind of evolved into that? I mean, like you said, you just find what you are good at and you follow along with that wave that you're doing. And I assume, uh, correct me if I'm wrong and tell me how you, how that feeds into your parenting of your four boys. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thought came to mind first before I answered that part of the question, as you were speaking is, you know, there are times when you say like, how do you communicate that to one another? Because mm-hmm. sometimes people fall into things very naturally, or you're naturally good communicators, but Lord knows if you're not, or if you, I mean, we all have struggles with that. And there are times when, cause we both, we call it like being the alpha, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. there are times when, you know, normally those divisions of roles are very clear, like, okay, he's the alpha, he's, he's going to take the lead in this and I'm going to back off and vice versa. And normally that's fine. And every once in a while, there will be a case where we're both, we're both trying to be the alpha, you know, and he will say, Hey, can you, can you, can you let me go ahead and be the alpha on this? Mm. He'll just say it like that. And I'll be like, got it. Yep. No problem. Let's do that. And if that has saved us, <laughs> a ton, you know, or, and I I don't quite say it in the same way, but if some, you know, we used to have, we had this contractor we worked with for a while who was, he was so condescending and I I wanted to strangle him because I was like pregnant and, and he would just turn and talk to Jamie all the time. And I was like, I'm the one making these decisions, you know, no, 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 no. I wanted to strangle him. And I would turn to Jamie and be like, you talk to this guy. Cause seriously, I'm going to, I'm going to tell him off. Like I'm (laughs) This is, I cannot work with this person. Um, and so, you know, so I could have said, you know, why don't you be a bit alpha on this? Because sure. <laughs> it displeases me. Um, <laughs> but, um, but something, you know, I have a story, I think that, that your listeners will like when it comes to leadership and kids in the family, because all my kids are pretty close in age. I forget the age difference in your kids. I only have a four and a half year spread from oldest okay, to youngest. So we're, so. we're the same. Yeah. It's like five year, two months. Okay. Um, so almost the same. And my third is, is the most um, natural leader, I guess you could say. Um, and so that's, I, I don't think it's odd if you have a bunch of kids because you, you, it's seldom maybe the oldest, but I think people on the outside assume that the oldest person would be kind of the one everybody looks mm. to for, you know, f- to be the role model, to be the guide. And so it's, it was really quite interesting to me when just in this last couple of years, he has evolved my third into, and they all play music together. So man, like when you're playing music together, there's a lot of, you know, he, he kind of rose up into the one being like, okay, well, how do we, why don't you come in on this eight count? Why don't you do this? And when you do that, the problem was, is his delivery was crap. I mean, Mm. terrible. And so was causing a lot of frustration and eye rolls and irritation and problems. And, um, but he was correct. He was correct in what he was trying to say. It was the delivery. The delivery was terrible. So there was a lot of coaching and a lot of it was misunderstanding because in his mind, 
they should have known they're older than him. Mm -hmm. So if they're not doing something correctly or on key or blah, 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 it's because they were doing it on purpose. Gotcha. So he was frustrated because he was like, well, I'm only nine and they're not doing this. And so if they're not doing it it's because they're not doing it on purpose and that's not cool. Right. So, and so part of it was explaining, okay, not everybody learns the same way and the same speed and all of this. And, and really, cause I think at first he was like, yeah, right. Like, you know, <laughs> didn't really believe it. Um, so part of it was that. And then, um, I called an old therapist of mine who I love, especially for like spot treatments, like, oh my gosh, I have this issue. And, um, and we kind of talked it through and I said, you know, cause he's kind of, he's kind of obsessed with like, my friend is the director of a museum. And he was like, so you're like the boss of all these people. You could tell there was this fascination mm. with like people in charge. Right. And so, so we decided on this, this way to explain it to him. And I remember so clearly we we're at the beach and they were building sandcastles. And I said, Hey, you know, I was thinking about this thing and, you know, you have a lot of these amazing leadership qualities, but there's leaders who are, um, CEOs. I, I use that, ex that, um, word, a term, and there are leaders who are dictators. Hmm. They're both in charge of a lot of people and they're both responsible for a lot of things. But one of them has people who want to be there and follow, presumably a good sure. CEO. Good, yeah. <laughs> um, right. um, in my example, um, it was a good CEO and, you know, followers who want to, to follow and be there and support um, you and the, and the mission or whatever. And then you have a dictator who is still in charge of a lot of people, but given the opportunity, those people might oust you <laughs> at any moment. They're not following you because they want to, or because they respect you. They're following because they have to. And it's mm -hmm. very, very different kind of leadership. And man, it took one conversation and that clicked. And so then the reminders became like, okay, are you saying that in a CEO tone? Or are you saying that in a dictator tone? And how could we say it differently? And that it really shifted. And it was, and I felt like we were able to kind of hone those natural leadership qualities into, um, you know, a more adaptive, more positive route. Whereas like it was going, it could have gone south really, really terribly. Wow. That is great. I love that CEO versus dictator. And it's so true. And, uh, so I see leadership in all of my kids as I'm sure I, you see it with yours. It's just different kinds of leadership, yeah. but who rises above to kind of tell, do this, do that, you know, um, it is interesting and having them so close in age too, I think things can shift over time, um, between them, I have twins in the middle. And so even between them, they play volleyball, you know, with the yeah. uh, hats that they wear, they always have since they were baby babies. And, um, so it's, it is interesting, but just taking note and being able to catch those, moments and whenever they are expressing some leadership, even if it isn't well-delivered, uh, you know, leadership and being able to move them in the right direction, because, you know, maybe later on he will fall back and someone else will, maybe your fourth will rise up a little bit, which is great for your fourth, because we have to know how part of being a leader is being able to take direction and, you know, uh, take that, <laughs> that criticism too. I'm still working on that one myself. So hard. So, <laughs> so hard. hard. Yes. Uh, one of my kids, especially 
Oh, like she has an Iron Man suit on when it comes to any sort of criticism. And we're like, no, we're just like trying to help you out here. And uh, you could just see, you know, simmering happening between behind her eyes. And we're like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think it always like, when I speak to parents about a quality that's that they're really struggling with in their children, you know, mm-hmm. one of the things I talk about is like the flip side. So where you say like, okay, just to yourself, not even to them, you remind yourself, okay, where will this stubbornness, where will this Iron Man suit serve her? Right. Okay. Well, in this type of situation with bullies, with, you know, boys that are trying to, yes. you know, convince her of things or drugs or alcohol or college, you know, whatever, you know, it, she's going to be like, that's stupid. You guys are, uh, that's a terrible idea. I'm not doing that. Yes. You know? And it <laughs> like, has come in handy already. 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 Yes. She is uh, 14 and um, she's 14. Oh yeah. She's 14. <laughs> See, it's hard to keep up with yeah, the ages, you hard. know? I just remember when they were little and I was like five, three, three, one, like that's what it was. And then it just, it kept changing. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so yeah, she's 14 now and, um, eighth grade and yeah, it's already definitely come in handy there. And it's just learning how to use whatever they're equipped with, right. Right. Learning how to use whatever they're, you know, uh, naturally equipped with innately equipped with in order to benefit them, the world and those around them. So, um, okay. Well, you know, in the 6570, we really focus on, um, I really focus on helping families, helping parents, helping kids. I work with the whole family all together because as you and I know, a lot of times parents need just as much help as kids do. Right. Um, and so (laughs) I know I do. Um, and so we focus on uh, self-disciplined leadership and what that looks like seeing a problem, being able to figure out a solution, actually sticking to the plan that you made and coming out with a, um, an accomplishment on the other side, even if that accomplishment is failure, because that's just failing forward and going forward. Right. And learning something from that. And, uh, Jim Rohn, I, I love his, uh, definition of, um, of discipline. And that is the bridge between goal and accomplishment. And that is really, I'm, I'm a very visual person. And that is what I see when I see self-discipline leadership and all the different ways that that can manifest itself in what we're doing. And with you, you really work your book, your wonderful book is stretch marks, um, is really, like you said, helping moms figure out practical ways that they can, uh, soothe and they can get through things. And so I want you to just be able, if you could just give our listeners, you know, some of those practical means of, uh, being able to have that self-care, especially going into a new year. But I mean, let's be honest, any day, 365 days a year, we need that self-care, but it doesn't always look like a manicure, right? It's not always going to look like, (laughs) I'm I'm glad you brought up manicure. And I, I just had written a piece on this. Um, and I, I try to call it true self-care versus surface self-care mm. or even pseudo self-care. And, and here's, here's the difference as I see it. And it, and it's going to look different. So for some people, a manicure might be true self-care for, right. for most right. of us. It's going to be, it's going to be a surface self-care, but the difference is, you know, um, and I'll, I'll start with the, the pseudo or the surface self-care. Is that something that in the moment feels really good, feels really lovely. It's wonderful. It could be a manicure. It could be a, a, a walk outside. It could be a, um, a chat with a really, really funny friend, but surface self-care is something that doesn't 
tend to linger. The positive effects don't, don't go on. You come back home and the house is a mess. You know, they forgot to take out the trash. So the garbage can, you know, so that the garbage truck came and went and you're immediately, your cortisol levels, your adrenaline levels are all the way back up. You're even more frustrated than you would have been had you not gone and gotten that massage because now you're like, I was supposed to be relaxed. I went and got this beautiful massage. I spent a hundred dollars and now the kitchen is a disaster. You guys are fighting. Why did I even, you're even, you're even more upset than you were before. And we all know like that's happened to all of us, right? Because you're like, I'm supposed to be, feel great now. And now I, and I don't. So that's frustrating because the expectations are high. So you're like, why didn't this just make me feel like I was on cloud nine all day? So that's one of the problems with surface self-care is the expectations. The second problem is it's not, doesn't have these lingering effects. Um, and, and often we end up doing surface self-care, something that maybe is true self-care for somebody else. And they said, oh, you know what you need to do is you need to go do this. You should, right? You should, <laughs> you're going to feel great. And maybe that's because it really helps them and they're just trying to help you. Right, right. Um, and so you figure, all right, sure, I'll try it. And then you're like, that was terrible. Um, or it was fine, but it wasn't lingering. So true self-care by definition of the office, opposite of that is, you know, it's going to be something that is very personal to you. So it could be, a silent room for an hour, a puzzle and a glass of tea, you know, hot tea. Like it, it's something that refuels you on a very deep level that the impact of which goes on farther than just those 30 minutes. It's kind of like, you know, when you exercise, you don't exercise just so that you're healthy for those 30 minutes, you exercise so that you're healthy the rest of the day. So self-care is good self-care, true self-care is something like that. So I often encourage people to, at a time when they're not needing it, well, you always need it, (laughs) thinking (laughs) thinking of two or three things that are really, really refueling to you. So it Mm. might be, and like I mentioned, talking to a friend on the phone, some friends you talk to and you're like, you're laughing, you're having a great time, but maybe their humor is really sarcastic or they're really dark and it's funny. It's enjoyable to witness, but afterwards you kind of feel like you hate the world and, and you feel despondent about the future or whatever. That's not, that's not good self-care, you know, that's something that leaves you kind of worse off than you began. So when, when it comes to self-care, I always start with, yeah, making sure that what you're going to do is actually as close to, you can get as close as you can get to true self-care, that's not a surface self-care, um, that you acknowledge the benefits of it. Because often as parents um, will say, oh yeah, I know I should do this. Or, you know, oh, well, they, you know, so-and-so has a soccer game and then I got to get this ready. And then I got to take back these Amazon packages or whatever you have your long list. And it just becomes another to-do, you know, another like obligation almost, you know, oh, I was going to meditate today. I was going to go for a bike ride or I was going to go read this book by myself. And I didn't, then you're just beating yourself up for not doing the self-care. So I always like to, you know, start with a mindset piece where you're really reminding yourself of like, it's not just for you, right? You, and you, we all know this We're you know, you're going to have more patience. You're going to have more, um, you're going to have more uh, tolerance for, you know, noise level or, you know, arguing, you're going to just have so much more presence of mind for everybody in your family, not just for yourself. 
if you take that time to have some self-care. Um, the other thing is, you know, bring up Mel Robbins, you know, think of like, nobody, what did she say? Nobody's gonna, nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. <laughs> nobody's coming. Nobody's coming to offer you some magical self-care. Nobody's yeah. coming. So you got to ask for it yourself and you got to be specific. So, um, so if you decide, oh, you know what? I want a, a 10 minute, you know, walk this morning with my coffee around the block by myself. Not like, oh, why don't you bring one of the kids? They can, no, no, no. Take the dog. You can, do that. you can do that after you can do that in addition, but not instead of not in lieu of. So, you know, think of something that you want and then ask specifically say, Hey, sometime between breakfast and lunch, or why, when we get home from soccer practice, can you X, Y, Z, you know, whether you're talking to your kids or your partner, can you guys do this? I'm going to do this. Here are the benefits of it. I just, Oh my gosh, I think I'm going to, I'm going to be so much more pleasant to be around at dinner time if I take this. You guys want me to do this. <laughs> want me to do this. And they do because they really do want you to be happy. Yes, they don't yes. want a crabby mom. One of the things, um, so I mean, we can jump into like actual um, actual strategies, but one of my favorite, Nellie, for um, the past year has been um, taking a shower in the afternoon. Hmm. Like, you know, you know, everybody knows like those hours between like three and six o'clock that are interminable. And, you know, everybody's hangry and everybody's patience is low. And, you know, it's just, a, it's a prime time for, you know, arguments to happen, for accidents to happen, for people to forget things, or, you know, it's, it's, it's can be a hot mess those hours. And you're like, oh my gosh, we still have to do dinner and baths and, you know, homework. And we said we were going to do a movie night. Well, you know, and you just start thinking like, oh my gosh, there's like seven more hours until bedtime. <laughs> you're like, I've already been awake for 50. How is that possible? So, um, so I've taken to like 3.30, 4 o'clock, you know, and I don't care if you already took a shower at 10 o'clock in the morning or you haven't showered in three days, whatever it is, I'll just be like, I'm going to take a shower and I just go and get in the shower. And what's nice about that is that you're unplugged. You don't have your phone in there. You don't have your, you know, computer, you don't have work things and um, and doing some sort of mindfulness practice while you're there so that the purpose of the shower is not to then spend 10 minutes ranting and raving about yourself, you know, about whatever happened that morning or planning the next six hours of your day or worrying about next week. It's, it's really to get pregnant, a uh, pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different kind of shower, Amber. <laughs> that is totally different kind of shower. Don't do that unless you really want to. Um, present to get present. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, to get present and, and to calm your nervous system. So <laughs> we're still giggling to calm your nervous system, to ground yourself with the water, um, and really set your, your central nervous system so that you can attack or, you know, thrive really, and not just survive those ending hours of the day. And man, it, I, I found it so incredibly helpful. Now to other people that might look like a walk around the block or go sit in your car, go get in your car, drive two blocks away and listen to music, listen to your favorite playlist for 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be that long either, which I think a lot of, a lot of us use that as a reason not to do something like, oh man, I was going to do a 45 minute hike today. 
set yourself up right with right. as exactly. reasonable as a um as a self-care request as possible and the short ones can be really really impactful like 10 minutes a day 5 minutes a day of something that you're doing every day versus 1 hour once a week like yeah. you know i say do whatever you're most likely to actually do oh i i love a shower it if i'm feeling like the world gunk is on me, you know, all the things I'm like, I know I just need to go shower. I don't like, I just stop. I'm like, I just need to go shower. (laughs) So I can totally understand that one. And something else that you, you know, brought up with the, with the car many times, I just like to go sit in my car. I love to be hot. Like I, I, I don't know. I grew up in Michigan. I was cold there to my bones. I don't know. I like to be hot. And so when, even when it's hot outside, I will go sit in my car. Some just not long, you know, I'm not having like, like carbon a monoxide yeah, fix or anything. And, um, but yes, like a sauna and I'm just like, ah, oh, it's so nice in here. But whenever I need to have a one-on-one discussion with somebody, I love, and maybe this is a big family thing. And I don't know if, uh, you can relate to this at all, but I do love to go in the car and they all think I'm weird and I'm, that's fine. They can think I'm weird, but I'm like, then I don't have to weir- worry about anyone trying to peep around the corner. And right. like, I'm trying to have a conversation with you. And I'm like, how many doors are here? How many people are trying to listen under doors or, you know, trying to form opinions about something they don't need an opinion about and all the right. things. And so I love to go in the car. It sets us up for for success when we're trying to have one-on-one conversations or mama just needs some peace. <laughs> yeah, and you really only need, only need one or two. Like I, I also talk about like the in the moment mm-hmm. stress and anxiety fixes and then the more preventative ones. So the things like, you know, meditation or a a five minute morning routine or stretching at night or listening to music in the afternoon, you know, you have your ones that take a little longer or you can do, you know, as you're doing something else. Um, but you know, I also love the, in the moment, you know, like, oh my gosh, I'm so upset right now. Or I just read this really frustrating email, or I just had this really frustrating interaction with my partner or with one of my kids or with the neighbor, whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's countless, right? How many things. And, and so one of them that I love, have we talked about cross lateral movements before? I, I know what you're talking about, but okay. please go ahead. Okay. Yes. So this is super simple and literally maybe a 60 second fix. Um, And this is a tool, a practice that you can do for when you are just, you're ruminating either in like a negative thought spiral, you're super frustrated, you're anxious. I mean, you can kind of use it for anything where you're looking for a quick turnaround, where you're looking for a quick fix. And it's not a matter of like writing in your journal for 20 minutes or going and calling a friend for half an hour, either you don't have the time or space or energy, or sometimes maybe that's not serving you because that's just amplifying what you're already upset about. You know, sometimes it's great. You need to vent that out before you can move on. I get that. Other times it's your, your reaction is, is more of a triggered reaction. And it's not really, it's something that if it would have happened a different time of day or a different day, you would have been fine with it. But for some reason right now, it's really grating at you. That's when this might be the best thing to do. So a cross lateral movement is essentially any movement that your body makes 
that facilitates communication between your right and left hemispheres. So it keeps, you know, so over here, like just picture like one part of your brain is like on skip, you know, it's just like uh, 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 stuck, it's stuck, it's stuck. So this is using a, a physical movement to get your brain communicating more effectively again. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can stop panicking. And I like it because you don't have to muscle your way through it. You just do these exercises and it's done. So here's what it is. You're gonna take your left hand and have it be flat your palm. You're going to take a right hand like a fist and you're going to hit your uh, left palm with your right hand six times as quickly as possible. And then you're going to reverse it. And if you could do, you do it, I can't do it six times each and talk and breathe at the same time, but <laughs> you do it. that. One, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six. And you breathe. Now, if you can do that and breathe and you're still like, blah, you know, fumes coming out your ears, then you just add a mantra to it. Like whatever it is that you're seeking to draw into your life. Like I got this, you know, I am love, you know, whatever, any, any mantra that, or even just, just one word, peace, love, calm, light, joy, whatever. And you do that for say 60 seconds. And try, I mean, try it the next time this happens in your life, everybody listening and, you know, send Nellie a message because uh, I would love to hear if it works. Um, I found it to be extremely, extremely wonderful, especially when I was doing podcasts regularly and I would, you know, everybody be quiet. Da, 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 da. And then literally <laughs> like right before I come on, somebody's screaming, somebody's doing this, somebody's knocking at my window, waving. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And then I didn't want to show up in that state of mind. Right. For my right. podcast. So I needed a reset that was legit and quick, you know, which is hard to find. So that's one of the things that's one of the in the moment strategies that I love. And I love ones that you don't have to talk yourself in, like you don't have to completely reframe your entire mind because it takes a while to do that. Yeah. Um, chewing gum is another one. Um, and, uh, so I always keep gum near me, um, you know, just like the fight or flight animalistic Neanderthal brain that we have chewing tells your brain that you're not being chased by a tiger because you're eating, right. you know, your brain thinks you're eating. <clears throat> so if your brain thinks that you're eating, it thinks, oh, okay, I can relax. I can send the blood back from your extremities to your brain, to your internal organs. I can reduce the amount of adrenaline and cortisol. I can start to balance things out. So I love brain hacks like that, where it's all about um, fooling your brain back into thinking that you're calm and you're safe um, so that you can, you can move on. Cause otherwise, man, you just spin out of control and you can't function. You can't concentrate and that's not serving you or serving you as a parent, right? I think it's so important to be able to give yourself permission to explore these areas. And once you do find something that works, it might work forever. It might work for a day. And if it does only work for a day, give yourself permission to explore something else the next day. For me, one of the, um, I'm definitely trying the whole, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, thing. And I, I know one of my daughters that could probably use that too, but for me, um, so I've, I've been in a couple of, uh, really bad car accidents before. And so, uh, when we just came back from our 
holiday travels, we spent 52 hours in a minivan in seven days. It's a really long time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, six of us. And we're all pretty much adult size at this point, you know? And so, um, Anyway, driving through the mountains, we go through the um, Appalachian Mountains, uh, Appalachian, I'm, someone's going <laughs> to, someone is going to email me and be like, you pronounce that wrong. I know, I know, because there's like six ways to pronounce it, no matter where you're from. I'm from Michigan and that's how I pronounce it. So. Yeah, I love <laughs> anyway. It. I, I even stuttered because I knew someone was going to say something about it anyway. So <laughs> go through there and we're going through there at night. We drive through the night. My, my husband drives through the night. Um, and uh, so, but every time we hit a curve, we do something like, I just, <laughs> I just feel my, my stomach begin to like yeah. super tense up. Like I'm doing like Peloton times a thousand. Right. And, um, so tapping, tapping my collarbones really helps me in the moment. And it's been, it's just been something that I found that helps and it helps right now. Will it help later? I don't know, but right now it helps. And so my husband looks at me cross-eyed going, what the heck are you doing? I'm like, I am surviving this trip. That's what I'm doing right now. (laughs) And I'm over here tapping my collarbones and that's okay. And I look weird. And uh, it's fine. Um, but just finding those things and being able to explore like a shower in the middle of the afternoon, right? And, and uh, hitting your palms and all of these yeah. things. It's okay, because we're living in this crazy world and crazy lives. And, you know, it just ex- expands ever more once you, you know, pull yourself out and look at from an aerial view a little bit more. So just giving yourself permission to explore these ways of giving self-care. So important. Yeah. And you mentioned that you're a visual person. So one of the one of the strategies that I like to add, <clears throat> and I think I talk about the, I don't remember which which thing, but <laughs> it's uh, it has to do with you know what is your super sense and really you know are you a more visual person? Are you a more auditory person? Are you a tactile? You know, and using that to inform your decisions about your self care. So both in a way to you know, to not prevent, but to minimize the, the stressors and the stimuli that are coming in. So say you're a visual person and you've got like piles and piles of laundry and papers out. And even sometimes just the, if you have a bunch of colored pillows on your bed, that could be visually overstimulating to you. That's me. So, (laughs) you know, taking care to reduce the visual stimulation that is amplifying your anxiety could be, you know, maybe that's just literally, and I'm not saying like, go spend 20 minutes putting away the laundry, grab a, a, a plain covered blanket, colored blanket and put, put it over the laundry basket, throw the laundry basket in a closet for right now, put stuff under the bed, even taking stuff off the walls or down off the countertops for a little bit and putting them in drawers or under the bed so that you can minimize the amount of visual stimuli. And then when you need a boost, an emotional lift, using visual stimuli to lift yourself emotionally. So like, oh my God, there's a beautiful sunset out. I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to walk outside. I'm going to take it in, you know, or, you know, even just what you're watching on Netflix, you know, is it visually inviting and stimulating? Is it a little harsh? You know, are you, are you utilizing your super sense both to minimize stimuli that's maybe too much. So for instance, for me, I'm, I'm auditory. 
So I almost always have, and of course I can't see any right now. I almost always have ear, you know, ear covers. I found these little things called um, audio, audio calm or something. And they're not devices. They're just little, um, you know, kind of foamy, not foamy, they're plasticky things, but they're, they're supposed to kind of modulate the, Mm. the kind of the dirty, you know, like the waves, the sound waves that go into your ears. And for me, at least they, they work. I still hear everything. They're not, they're not blocking the sound, but it's making it less chaotic by the time it gets to my brain somehow. And, um, so I will make sure to do that. Or sometimes I just have to, you know, leave the house and go have my coffee out on a walk and then come back. And so, you know, protecting myself when it comes to auditory stimuli. And then on the flip side, and this is something that I'm trying to work on because I don't do this enough is, you know, make a playlist of music that's specifically to suit each kind of mood that you're trying to draw in, whether you want to be energized or you want to be calmed or you want to be whatever. And I also, I always like to recommend finding music that was particularly memorable to you during your like 14 to 24 year old years, because that's when all your, right, all your neural pathways were most um, plastic. And so, man, that stuff hits you on a visceral level, like so much more deeply than maybe a song you really loved from last year. So it's just another hack to make it like even more effective. Oh, so good. And yeah, so I am a total audio visual person. So both of them, there's this ride at Epcot center at Disney world. It's called soar. And you just sit in there and you like go up in these seats and there's this huge screen in front of you and there's music and you're just going. And I was like, this is heaven. It was so great, you know, because it was calming music. It was visually stimulating. It was so great. And I find that funny because so we do have um, a Peloton here at home and all six of us use it every day. It is our um, quote unquote gym for homeschool. And um, so I'm the only one though, that does the scenic ones. Everyone else is like, why do you do those? That's so weird. And I was like, I love the scenic rides. They're my jam. They're my favorite. I can get on there. I did a 45 minute one this morning. They're like, you're literally watching trees for 45 minutes. I'm like, I know it's so great. You know, (laughs) that's fantastic. And I was like, Hey, I was in New Zealand this morning. I don't know where y'all were, but I was in New Zealand this morning, you know? And, um, but it really feeds into that. And I, I talk about this too, because it's so important to know yourself. It's also important to know your kids, because if you are not an audio person and your kid is, and you have something crazy going on and they're super irritable, and then you're yelling at them for being irritable and saying you should be able to (laughs) deal with this. Right. And so having the whole family understand what those are for the family is so key. So, yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, this has been so fun. I, we can obviously talk for hours, I think about everything. Thank you so much for being on here before we go though. I want to know, tell us, um, how we can, how everyone can find you and, um, all the goods. Yeah. Well on Instagram, I'm at official Amber Trueblood. Uh, and my website is ambertrueblood.com. And, um, and I do have something, if you go to outsmart overwhelm, I have um, a little bundle there with like a morning routine and an evening routine. And um, I think there's some meditations in there as well that are helpful for outsmarting overwhelm. And then my book, yeah, Stretch Marks. Yay. 
Yes, so absolutely. Out. It's available on Amazon or, and on Audible if you like to listen to books. And it's a it's an easy read, but there's a lot of, um, not but, and there's a lot of uh, <laughs> practical strategies in there as well. Absolutely. And we just got the top, tip of the iceberg here today. Thank you so much for being here. This was great. I can't wait to just continue to watch your journey and be able to work with you in the future. So thank you so much. Thank Bye. you. All right. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope you were able to take something from our discussion that you can use to build the foundation of self-led leadership in your own family. If you are a parent with children 17 or younger, and especially those around nine and up, I would love to extend an invitation to you to the best club in town. The Family Architects Club is a private club where intentional parents go that wanna love, support, connect, or reconnect, and really truly help guide their kids and teach them how to self-lead in discipline and leadership. This is an online community and you are welcome to it. Parenting is a project and you are the architect of this one. You plan, you design and oversee the construction of the beginning of someone else's life. And that's what goes into these first 6,570 days and it will be the foundation for the rest of their lives. So come join the club. You can find your invitation on the front page of my website, nellieharden.com. That is N-E-L-L-I-E-H-A-R-D-E-N.com. Thank you again for being a part of this conversation today. And if something really resonated with you, or if you have a question, please don't hesitate to connect with me. You can find me on Instagram at Nellie Harden. And lastly, if you loved the information, please, please leave a five-star review and a comment so more and more families can be impacted by harnessing the strength of these ideas and tools in their own families. So thank you so much. Happy building, you guys, and I'll see you next week.